0: Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station. On today's edition of Pathway to Victory, those who have a lot of wealth are worried that they're going to lose that wealth. Those who don't have a lot of wealth are worried that they won't get the money that they need. And it's that relationship between anxiety and money that Jesus explores in the passage from the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to look at today.
1: Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Can you remember the thrill of receiving your first paycheck? Oh, what a day that was. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress shows us what Jesus says about our income. Sure, we need cash to make ends meet, and everybody splurges once in a while. But if we don't heed his warning, Jesus said our base desires will eventually lead us down a very dark path. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffers. Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. During the last couple of
0: years, many of us have placed our vacations on hold while we waited for travel to resume. Well, the doors are wide open again, and I'm hoping you'll join me for a vacation with a purpose. I truly believe that the Pathway to Victory Tour to Israel provides the perfect balance between refreshment and spiritual renewal. The dates are April 25th through May 5th. You'll not only get to see the iconic sites of the Holy Land, but we'll provide ample time for reflection and worship as well. So, come along with us. You'll find all the details about our itinerary and the wonderful accommodations you can choose from by going to our website. Just go to ptv.org, find out all the information, and most importantly, reserve your spot while there's still room. By now, you likely know that I've devoted the entire month of October to spending what I call 18 minutes with Jesus. That's about all the time we need to read His masterful Sermon on the Mount. And before we start with my next message, I'll urge you to get in touch right away because time is running out to request the brand new hardcover book I've written for you. It's also called 18 Minutes with Jesus, Straight Talk from the Savior, about the things that matter most. In my book, I'll help you understand how Jesus' practical message applies to your life in 2022. We'll explain how to receive your copy later in the program, but right now, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6 and the subject at hand. I titled today's message, Straight Talk About Your Money. Chances are you probably have never heard about Elizabeth Johnson Williams. She was a very wealthy woman who accumulated her fortune in cattle and in real estate. And and before she married her husband, she had to bail him out of a $50,000 debt. Once she did that, she made him sign a prenuptial agreement, which was a rarity in the 1880s when she lived. After her husband died, Lizzie became a recluse, living in a building she owned in downtown Austin. One day, a grandnephew came to visit Lizzie. He was afraid she might not have enough to eat. And when she expressed that concern, he expressed the concern, she said she had plenty to eat and pointed to a plate with a cover on it. He went over, took the cover off, and there was a piece of cheese and some crackers. The cover was to protect the cheese from the rats that had infested her building. She was so tight-fisted that in the depth of the winter, she would only burn one piece of wood at a time to keep her warm. When she died in 1924, she left an estate of $280,000, which in today's dollars would be more than $3 million. Her problem was not that she didn't have enough money. Her problem was she could never enjoy her money because she never felt like she had quite enough of it. And that's the paradox about money worry and money go hand in hand with one another. And it's that relationship between anxiety and money that Jesus explores in the passage from the Sermon on the Mount we're going to look at today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6 as we look at some straight talk about our money. Matthew chapter 6. Now, it's interesting to notice that money was not a peripheral issue with Jesus. In fact, did you know Jesus talked about money five times more than he did any other topic? Money was very important to Jesus. And there's a reason. Jesus understood that our attitude about money reflects our attitude about God. And interestingly, our attitude about money shapes our attitude about God as well. That's why there's such a relationship between money and anxiety that we're going to see today. Now, let's be clear. The Bible doesn't say money is an evil. Money is neither good nor evil. It depends upon our attitude toward money. Uh, God uses money for some very important purposes, and and, I've jotted down on your outline four basic teachings in the Bible about wealth. First of all, God's the one who gives us the ability and the opportunity to earn money. Uh, Deuteronomy 8.18 says, it is God who gives you the strength to make wealth. Secondly, God expects us to use money to provide for ourselves and our families, 2 Thessalonians 3.10, if a person doesn't work, he doesn't eat. 1 Timothy 5.8, if you don't provide for your household, your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. Thirdly, the Bible says the wise person works hard to save and invest for lean years and to generously meet the needs of others. We shouldn't spend everything we have. We ought to set aside some for the future, some to invest in others, some to invest in God's work. Proverbs 6 says, consider the ant who having no ruler still knows enough to take some of the food in the summer and store it away for the winter when there is no food. And finally, if we've earned our living honestly, we have every right to enjoy what God provides. some of you are going to guess wrongly that the bottom line of my sermon is give all your money to the church. No. Even the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says some of the money that we earn ought to be used to pay for the necessities of life, for ourselves and our family. Some of it ought to be saved for the future. Some of it ought to be invested in God's work. And some of it ought to be just enjoyed. There's nothing wrong with enjoying what your money has earned. Uh, in First Timothy 6, 17, it tells us uh, that God is the one who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Ecclesiastes 2 says there's nothing better than for a person to eat and drink and tell his, himself that his labor is good. This is a gift from God. What I'm saying to you is Jesus never says money is evil. But what the Bible does condemn is the love of money. 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. It's that obsession with accumulating money or the possessions money buys that Jesus is going to condemn. And I want you to notice the outline for this section in chapter 6. In verses 19 through 24, Jesus talks about avoiding the love of money. And then in verses 25 to 34, he talks about avoiding worry over money. First of all, let's see what he says about avoiding the love of money. He gives us three stark contrasts to show us why we should avoid the love of money. First of all, the contrast between two different depositories, treasuries, where we can store up our wealth, heaven or earth. Look at verse 19. He talks about, first of all, the dangers of accumulating things on earth. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, verse 19 says. Why? It's where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Jesus is talking about the dangers of making earthly possessions your focus. Jesus said, Don't put your treasure on earth. It can be eaten by moths, destroyed by rust and rats. It can be stolen. Now, you may be thinking right now, Well, I'm not going to make that mistake. I'm not going to make my mistake. I'm going to keep my money secure. I'm going to invest it in the stock market. Anybody lose any money this week in the stock market? Proverbs 23, verses 5 and 6. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. They will surely sprout wings and fly to the sky like an eagle. A lot of you know about that, what he's talking about. Other people are saying, okay, I'm not going to put my money in anything risky. I'm just going to deposit it in the bank. Surely it's safe there. Well, it may be safe, but it's still going to be taken from you. You know when it's taken from you? It's taken from every one of us at our death. When John D. Rockefeller, the oil tycoon died, somebody asked his butler, how much did the old man leave? And the butler said, he left it all. You can't take it with you. That's what the Word of God is saying. That's the limitation of an earthly treasury. It's going to be separated from you at some point, either the money or the possessions money is purchased. But then notice in verses 20 and 21, Jesus talks about the advantage of a heavenly treasury. He says in verse 20, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Did you know... Not one dollar invested in God's work has ever been lost, not one single dollar. It's impossible to lose it, and here's why. When you invest in God's work, you are ensuring rewards for yourself in heaven. As more and more people come to know Christ as Savior because of your investment, you know, rewards in heaven, they're like an eternal annuity. You know what annuity is. You buy, invest a certain amount of money, and it keeps paying dividends, a set amount. Well, there's a heavenly annuity that the moment we die begins paying off, and it pays year after year after year throughout eternity. That's why we're to store up treasures in heaven. You know, I um, thought about that this week. When I read the account, you probably read it, about... uh, um, the wealthy person who paid $195 million for a portrait of Marilyn Monroe. Most money ever paid for a piece of 20th century art. Now, I don't know what's gonna to happen to that painting. I'm imagining it's moth-proof. I'm sure it's protected and insured against theft. I don't know if the price of that painting will go up or down, but one thing I know with absolute certainty, that collector is going to leave it behind. Everything that we accumulate on earth is either going to be stolen, destroyed, or left behind. Now, notice what else he says in verse 21. He adds this word, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Why invest in the treasury of heaven rather than the treasury of the earth? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, If I had been Jesus, I would have said it the other way. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be. What you love is what you invest in. Doesn't that make sense? But Jesus said just the opposite. He said, no, where your treasure is, what you invest in is what you love. Your heart follows your treasures. So Jesus says, think about where you're gonna deposit your wealth. Is it earth or is it in heaven? Then he gives us another contrast, verses 22 to 23, two different perspectives, two different eyes, clear or cloudy. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. We don't have time to explore that. He's simply saying uh, how you view things determines the direction of your life. If you have a clear view of money, you see it for what it really is and understand its limitations. If you have a clear view of what money is, then your actions will follow. You'll live in a wise way. If you have a cloudy view of money, if you have a distorted fuzzy vision about money, it's going to distort the rest of your life as well. And then finally, he gives us a choice of two masters. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. He is saying there is something uniquely seductive about money that draws our heart away from God. You can't serve both God and money. It's one or the other. Now in verses 19 and 24, he has just told us three reasons not to love money. And now when we get to verse 25, he's going to talk about why we shouldn't worry about money. What's the connection between money and worry? He begins verse 25, for this reason I say to you, don't be worried about your life. Of all the things we worry about, usually money is at the top of the list. We're afraid we won't have enough to take care of our needs or the ones that we're responsible for. And so we develop this fear, this anxiety when we think about money. And he gives us beginning in verse 25, three reasons why we shouldn't be infected with worry about our needs. First of all, he says, worry is unnecessary. Look at verse 25. For this reason I say to you, don't be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not your life more than food and the body more than clothing? He said, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. It's not birds don't work, but they're not involved in planting and harvesting food. They search for food and eat it, but they're not overly anxious. God takes care of them. Are you not worth much more than they? And then he says in verse 27, to show how unnecessary worry is about money, who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? Worrying about dying is not going to add one minute to your lifespan. That may take one minute away from your lifespan. Worry can have destructive effects, but you can't add to your lifespan by worry. And what he's saying here is, and you can't add to your wealth. By your worry. Worry does not result in worth. In verse 28, and why are you worried about your clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They don't toil, they don't spin. Yet I say to you, not even Solomon in his all his glory clothed himself like one of these. Worry is unnecessary. Secondly, he says worry is ungodly. It's ungodly. Look at verse 31. Don't worry then saying what we will eat or what will we drink or what will we wear. For the Gentiles, unbelievers, they eagerly seek all these things for their heavenly father knows you have need of all these things. It's only unbelievers who go about worrying about their basic provisions. They don't believe in a God who can take care of their needs, but you should be different. You know, I was studying that this week and I was reminded of that poem. Do you you remember it? Said the robin to the sparrow, friend, I'd surely like to know why those anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think it must be, they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. We do have a heavenly father. And that's why it's ungodly. It doesn't bring glory to God when his own children are rushing about, worrying about their basic provisions. Finally, worry is unfruitful. It's unfruitful. Somebody said, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. Worry empties today of its strength. And that's why Jesus said in verse 34, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do I hear an amen on that? There's enough to worry about today without worrying about tomorrow. What's the cure for worrying about wealth? It's easy to say you can't worry your way to wealth, but pastor, how do I keep myself from doing that? Well, notice the two commands from Jesus in verses 33 and 34. First, he says, put first things first. If you want to quit obsessing about your needs and your finances, put first things first. Verse 33, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. How do you do that? How do you put God's kingdom first? Well, he just told us in the model prayer we looked at last time in Matthew 6, first of all, to put God first means to seek to glorify God in all of your life. Isn't that what Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father who is in heaven, holy be your name. Dedicate your life to proving to the world that God is different than anyone or anything else. Make your life purpose to reflect his glory. Secondly, seek God's governance over your life. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth and in my life as it is in heaven. Let God have the final say about your life. And finally, seek God's protection for your life. Lord, keep us from difficult times. But if those times come, keep me from disbelieving. Keep me from evil. Put God's kingdoms first. I can tell you from personal testimony, there are a lot of things you can be worried about right now. Maybe your finances. Will I have enough money for school? Where I'm going? Am I going to succeed? How do I find a mate? How do I find the career I'm supposed to give my life to? Those are legitimate concerns. But if you make God the priority of your life, he'll show you the way to go. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, Solomon says. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God and he will make your paths straight. That's a promise from God. Secondly, live in the present. Put first things first, but secondly, if you wanna avoid worry, especially worry about money, live in the present. Don't live your life in the past. The past is unchangeable. Don't live your life in the future. The future is unknowable. Live your life in the present. That's why he says in verse 34, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble for its own. You know what the root cause of all worry is? It's calculating without God. It's playing out these scenarios. What if, what if, what if, what if this happens? What if, what if I lose my job? What if my child rebels against God? What if? Don't calculate without God. Remember to put God in the equation. What if I lose my job, but God gives me a more fulfilling job? What if my child does rebel against God, but God turns his or her heart back to himself? What if the economy doesn't recover, but God still provides for me as he has always done? Above all, don't forget, don't forget, that you have a God who loves you, who sent his son to die for you, a God who loves you so much that he wants to spend eternity with you. That very same God promises to take care of your most basic needs far beyond anything you can possibly think of or imagine. That's why we don't need to worry about money. At Pathway to Victory, we receive phone calls, emails, and letters every single day from people just like you. And we love hearing your stories. Some of you describe the financial pressure you feel, and some admit your tendency to worry about it. Well, it's a joy to remind you that Jesus truly understands. Remember, Jesus said, your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. Let me give you an example from one of your fellow listeners. Vivian got in touch with me and told me about helping out a young mom. She said, Pastor Jeffries, I've developed a friendship with a young single mother with two small children. And Vivian went on to describe how she was inspired by one of the resources she received from Pathway to Victory. As a result, she's praying with this young mom who's worried about paying her bills. Isn't that great? God is using Vivian to comfort a friend in need. Well, Vivian told us her story and would love to hear your story as well. Please let us know how God is changing your life through the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Just go to ptv.org and find a place for you to share your story with us. And remember that right now we're saying thanks for your generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory by sending you my brand new hardcover book, 18 Minutes with Jesus. This special offer expires this Friday. So please reach out with your generous gift before it's too late. Thank you for giving generously. Together we are bringing the light of God's truth into the dark corners of our world. And we couldn't
1: do it without you. David? Thanks Dr. Jeffers. Today when you give a generous gift to Pathway to Victory, you're invited to request a copy of the brand new book from Dr. Jeffers called 18 Minutes with Jesus. Here's our toll-free phone number 866-999-2965 or visit online at ptv.org. And when you give an especially generous gift of $100 or more, We'll also include the complete 18 Minutes with Jesus teaching series on audio and video discs, plus the companion study guide. This is the last week, though, that we'll be offering these resources, so please be sure to call right away, 866-999-2965, or go to ptv.org. You could also send your request by mail. Let me give you that address. P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. One more time, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. You know, we're not always inclined to want the right things, are we? Well, next time, we'll explore the difference between our wants and our needs in four key areas of life. Hear a message called Straight Talk About Your Needs. That's Wednesday on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.